you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with your co-host, Gordy. <laughs> I love it, Kirk. That's that's an ama- That's actually a really like amazing monkey mask. It's like very Uh-oh. or chimp. I guess it's a chimp. I don't know. It's like it's very artsy. I believe it is a chimp. Yeah, this thing is. Uh... It's quite exquisite. I'll have to find out the origin of where it came from. Some uh, old professors of mine and Aubrey's gave them to us. I've got a lion too, so I've got this monkey mask, and then I think I also just need to see a, a, a lion movie, and then I could wear the other one. So. Well, it's funny you mention that because you know that that movie with uh, Idris, oh no. Beast, <laughs> Beast, which looks no offense to Idris, that's a guy who goes after paychecks, and that's fine. He's awesome. Yeah. But he also does he does he doesn't turn down many roles I've noticed. Um, but that movie Beast looks positively terrible, uh, just in it's, terms of concept. It cannot be good. It no, just won't. No, I mean he punches a lion in the face. He does. He he does. He does punch it. Um, many other things happen. <sighs> it, it it doesn't look great. But um, welcome into popcorn for breakfast. Our, my co-host name actually isn't Gordy the Chimp. His name is Kirk. Welcome, Kirk, and I am your other Thank co-host, Cam. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, date of recording is Thursday, August 4th, 2022, and this is a movie review episode. So if you're new to the program, we try to do two episodes a week. This week, we only had one episode. Our first episode of the week is usually What's Poppin', which is our movie and TV news highlights and reactions, and then we do a movie review. And this week, we are reviewing... Jordan Peele's new film, Nope, written and directed by Jordan Peele and starring Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, among others. So very excited about that. Um, this is this is Jordan Peele's third feature film. And someone pointed out, I mean, any I guess anyone could have noted, noticed this, but all of his films have just one word in the title or or. Not not one word, but they they form a phrase like a word or phrase, and they said that if you put them all together, like somebody thinks that he's going to try to make a sentence over the oh. <laughs> over the course, because his films are Get Out, Us, and Nope, which he's not that oh. far off. I feel like a, a couple ises and thes, and you've got yourself a <laughs> sentence there. Get us some verbs, <laughs> then we're going to be closer. Some yeah. action verbs, some linking verbs. We're going to be able to put it all together. We need um, a noun, and yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable that this is only his third film, um, considering he, he feels like a household name already, of course, after the critical acclaim and, uh, you know, acclaim from the Academy on Get Out. But as he's been really successful executive producing and, and creating and show running and doing things like that. He was the showrunner on The Twilight Zone um, that CBS had. He, uh, he executive produced one of my, I mean, it's probably top three, top five movies of last year, Candyman, which I absolutely loved. Yeah. Nia DaCosta's Candyman, uh, which I thought was just fantastic. And uh, yeah, he's he's got quite a quite a resume building there for Jordan Peele. But let's get into this film, Kirk. It is, it is my time, my turn to synopsis the movie. So if uh, you... Nope. Nope. <laughs> no? Is it not? Nope. It is. I was. I'm just gonna use this whole oh, no. podcast to randomly oh, insert no. nope. I don't like that. And it's gonna throw you off your axis. No, see, uh, I don't like that because you're you're an improv guy, Kirk, and I know that you know that in improv, saying no is not okay. 
it's not okay because mm-hmm. it just it, it you have to accept offers and not reject offers because it throws people off and that's that is going to throw me off right and this is elevated improv right so the word instead of yes is nope and <laughs> then you have to work in a in a backwards negative way oh no to continue i'm not i am not nope. trained kirk i'm not i'm not trained for this but uh i mean if you want a synopsis by all are. means kirk by all means but I'm getting after it if you don't. Um, to that I say, nope, the okay. floor is yours. There you go. All right, so as uh, Kirk has alluded to and as I am now saying, the film is called Nope. Uh, I don't know if it was ever officially said, but the um, idea is that it's an acronym for uh, not of planet Earth is what some people have said. Um, if you've seen any of the trailers, there's hev- heavy allusions to uh, aliens, extraterrestrial life forms, etc. Uh, by the way, we are going to be spoiling this movie. I should have said that at the out front. We will be doing a spoiler full review this time. Um, we will always state otherwise if we're doing spoiler free, and we may we may may be going back to doing more spoiler free stuff. But for now, we're staying spoiler full. So if you want to avoid spoilers, and there will be big ones, um, now is your time to exit, go see the movie, and then come back and visit with us. Anyway, this film is uh, about an extraterrestrial life form that is wreaking havoc on um, sort of this mountainous area in California where there is a horse training ranch as well as um, this place that's called Jupiter's Claim, which is bought by a former child actor played by Steven Yun, and it's like a you know Western-themed amusement park. But adjacent to it is this horse training ranch that is owned by our main character, OJ, uh, played by Daniel Kaluuya, and his sister, Kiki Palmer's character, Emerald, or M, it's owned by their family. So it's the Haywood Ranch. Uh, the idea there is that they keep saying the very first clip uh, of, of a motion picture ever is a two-second clip of a black man on a horse, and that that man is their great, 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 great grandfather. And so it's their, their film royalty, and they train horses for movies well there is an extraterrestrial being that is coming around uh at first it it leads to the death of oj's dad um after dropping some materials from the sky like keys and quarters and all kinds of stuff and they don't know what's going on but then horses start going missing and things start happening and pretty soon they find out that they're dealing with something that looks like a ufo um as the movie goes on they they learn they discover that it's actually not a UFO filled with aliens, but in fact, just a big flying alien itself that looks like a flying saucer and is a predator. And they are working on trying to film it so that they can become famous as well as um, try to save some people from this thing while also trying to protect their farm and their land and, and all of that. So that is the general premise. I don't think, you know, like I said, big spoilers because there's no way going into this movie, Kirk, that you could see that coming. Like, I, I, I don't think there's any way anyone, no one's in there going, I called it. <laughs> you know, like it's a big flying animal yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, well, it's just a UFO. No, it, it kind of is, but more so it is the, it is the animal, it, whatever you, whatever you want to put onto it. But it, this thing actually 
eats the people, digests them, and spits out the waste all over wherever it wants to, honestly. And one scene, of course, it's the house. It's the uh, the Haywood house. Uh, but in this case, in a lot of cases, it's, it's fascinating. I never imagined that we would see the mouth, the throat, yeah. <laughs> like the insides of this thing. And as horrifying as this flying mysterious object is, it's also beautiful at the end when it like fans out and it's attacking our main characters. It's like, whoa, that's really quite beautiful. It's going to murder them all. So I don't know how to feel <laughs> uh, during those scenes. Yeah, it's so original, so inventive, um, which, which is what that's, that is the, you know, that's the hallmark of Jordan Peele so far in his career. He's going to throw you something with just a wicked left hook that you're not going to see coming, um, which is really cool. That I mean, if you want to be known for anything as a filmmaker, being known for originality is pretty freaking awesome. And I would say yeah. that he's definitely there as both a screenwriter and a filmmaker. So let's get into this movie. This is going to be an interesting one. There, There is so, so, so much to unpack in this movie. Um, so we better get started but like i said if you are new to the program you're watching on youtube or listening to the podcast we do our reviews in five sections so we do and the oscar goes to which is for the best actor in the film we do a a category called scene stealer which is for the the underrated or unspoken hero unsung hero performance of the the movie or sometimes just the best supporting actor we do showstopper which is the best part of the movie from a production standpoint something that knocked our socks off Director shoes, which is any notes that we have for our director, things we would change, and then overall thoughts and scores. Out of 10. Let's get into it. All right, I'll be kicking us off with our and the Oscar goes to category. And my Oscar is going to someone who's becoming one of my faves, Daniel Kaluuya. I, this dude has it all. Um, earlier um, during during the press junket for this film, he was saying that he feels like he is De Niro to Jordan Peele's Scorsese. And and can I just say that I am so down for them to make as many films as those guys did because every single time they link up, it's magic. Every single time I watch Daniel Kaluuya on the screen, it's magic because he is such... Uh, he's, he's so tactical with the way that he approaches things like he builds out a character very meticulously and is always going to bring something different he has immense range if you've seen judas and the black messiah get out uh this film if i mean he's he was in black panther i mean he he can do all sorts of things um and i'm i'm always impressed i think he's one of the best young young actors we have going right now but this movie was yet another new page in his book and and in his repertoire, something new that he could bring to the screen. This character is very interesting because he is super reserved, but he's ambitious and he has a very strict uh, code of conduct. It's not necessarily like a set of morals, but he has rules that he abides by. There are certain, there is a code that he just believes in and that's that, you take care of the things that you're supposed to take care of, like the farm and and the horses and things that your family um, is responsible for. You protect your, you defend your honor and you don't hurt things that are just other living creatures. And it's, it's really interesting. It makes for a really intriguing character because 
he's juxtaposed next to his sister, who's played by Kiki Palmer of Emerald, who is just like all about fame and fortune, me, me, me. I want to be in the spotlight. I want to win. And he's sort of the the foil to that. And yet they sort of want the same thing. Like they both want to get video of this extraterrestrial being, but for different reasons. And I just love the way that Daniel Kaluuya very meticulously unpacks this character throughout the course of the movie so that we understand him more and more as it goes on. Because frankly, it's really hard to get a beat on him in the beginning and you're like, man, what's this guy about? But by the time everything comes full circle, you really understand him and what's important to him and why he acts the way he does all the way back to the beginning of the film. And that's just because Daniel Kaluuya did such a good job of character building and building an actual arc for his character instead of just staying here and just kind of going in a, in a straight line. Um, it's beautifully done. It's understated. So a lot of people will probably overlook it, but you shouldn't because what he's doing is impressive and hard to do. And uh, I just give him credit for always bringing something new to the, to the stage. So Daniel Kaluuya, another gold star in my book, my friend. Yeah, it's it's the perfect uh, win for me as well. And the Oscar goes to, again, Daniel Kaluuya. Now he's got three Oscar trophies in his home uh, next to his Academy Awards. So he is... Like you said, he's he's out he's out front. He is big in all the other movies we've seen him in, and then this movie starts and he's almost subdued, and I'm like worried. Right? He comes on the screen and I'm like, why isn't he like jumping around? Why isn't he like winking at anybody? Why isn't he cracking like a really funny, sharp, witty joke? And he doesn't need to be that because that's not his character, and that's exactly why it's a transformative, quiet yet powerful performance for uh, our good friend Daniel. And I think that what what baffles me the most is that how captivated I was because at first I was like, no, jump up and down, like like scream, do something, right? And that's the point. That's the, the exact point of his character is that he doesn't need to do that um, because of the, 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 <laughs> the, the full range, one of the full themes of this in how performative that people are expected to be in certain situations. And he's not going to act or perform for anyone. He's just going to be his true self. Uh, I thought it was marvelous, really, really marvelous uh, to the point where when you see him start to discover in like this, this quiet detective work where he's uh, standing with uh, the, uh, what's the name of the store the fry, uh, yeah, fries, fry electronics, fries electronics, which I believe was a real, um, electronics store that's now out of business before the movie premiered. <laughs> uh, so rest in peace, Fry Electronics, uh, where he's standing with Angel and Angel's like moving it. And he just care. He's like, no, no. And he's like, just brings his arm up, even hits the laptop and like tries to move the camera where he wants the camera to be aimed to catch the footage of the UFO. Um, things like that, where he is like, I know exactly who I am and exactly what I want, uh, but I don't need to be loud for you because that still small voice in me is speaking loud in my head and I'm just going to do what I believe is right. Just his moral compass on the, on the whole thing, on the whole world uh, and the world that he sees is very endearing. And I think that's what comes away from this. You, you want him to be the cowboy of this movie. Uh, and he very much becomes it by the end of it, uh, l- literally riding on a horse to save the day <laughs> and save his sister. And I am just baffled, continuously baffled and how, he can just do so, so much. Um, and he carefully picks his roles as well. There, I mean, he's obviously done several uh, Jordan Peele films, and there are only another handful of films where he is 
inserted himself in, even though he could take on every role that gets thrown his way. So we're not at like a Nicolas Cage uh, acceptance rate at this point, which is working in his career's favor. So bravo, Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, I think the thing, the scene that really stuck out to me after the film, um, after I saw kind of like the full arc of his character was the one time you see him get pretty flustered in this movie, well, is is the beginning whenever he's dealing with the, the horse training people. But after that, when his sister wants to accompany him to the meeting with Steven Yun's character, yes, he's like, he's like, hey, I'm trying to build a business relationship here. Don't get in the way of it. Don't mess it up. And so at first, you're, whenever you're watching it initially, you're like, oh, this guy's really ambitious too. He has dreams. He wants to take this ranch to the next level. Then you find out the thing he was taught going to talk to him about was buying the horses back and you you figure out that that's really all he cared about was like these were his family's horses he feels like they should still own them and when it hits the fan and goes crazy at jupiter's claim the only thing he cares about and the only reason he's there is to get lucky the horse back so it's like he's not in this for money he's not in this for fame he's just doing it because he feels like he has to he feels like it's his duty and that is like very much a western cowboy kind of character that they've kind of etched here which i i don't think is i don't think was on accident uh that's right. almost certainly not so really good performance by daniel kaluuya um i think you and i both agree on that all right let's jump into scene stealer many options i mean not not a ton of options but there were some good ones um for me i'm going with probably the most obvious option and that's going to be kiki palmer um I think this is the second time uh, recently that I've given Kiki Palmer an award because I also gave her one for her performance in Lightyear, which we just reviewed a few weeks ago. Um, Kiki's character, character Emerald, or M, as she is referred to in this film, is just a total blast. Um, very, even though it's you know it's not an understated performance it's very much an in-your-face performance it's still one that is meticulously crafted and one that is very smart Um, because within the genre of horror there are rules and there are archetypes of characters and that's something that Jordan Peele very much understands and you could see on display in this movie his ability to wield the rules create rules and establish them and then follow them through to the end to where everything that happens makes sense within the rules that he's established. And Emerald is one of those um, typical horror movie archetype characters, like somebody who's, you know, confident they're in it for the wrong reasons per se. They're trying to push their agenda, etc. And yet everything that they establish um, within the rules of this world makes sense and applies to Emerald. And I feel like Kiki's character, the way that she builds it out, is so smart. Um, she does an incredible job and just just has an unbelievable amount of star power and owning the screen. She is, you know, most of the time playing opposite people and characters who are really subdued. And she is like a very different, on a very different wavelength. So a lot of times she is on her own kind of creating the energy in the scene. And she does an exceptional job of it. Um, she also does great work as a scream queen, you know, in this movie, not, not the traditional sense, like literally screaming, but she does a great job acting scared on the run, uh, frantic moving, you know, those kinds of things. 
if you do it poorly, it takes you out of it. We've all seen a chase scene in a movie where somebody stumbles and it looks really fake or somebody is out of breath and it looks and sounds fake. No issues there from Kiki Palmer and she found herself in a lot of uncomfortable positions in this movie because she was with her brother when the first uh, few sightings that happened and she was uneasy with it the whole time. She's never not afraid of this thing. There comes a point where OJ sort of understands this thing as an animal, as a predator, and he, he kind of comes to peace with it. She is terrified of it the entire time and manages to keep us um, in, in, you know, manages to keep us in that world without, manages to maintain our suspension of disbelief by uh, making that thing feel so real. And it's even more impressive considering the fact that she is acting you know, toward nothing. You know, it's not like a slasher film where there's a person actually chasing you. This is a giant CGI thing that, that she's running from. So that makes it even more impressive. And I thought she was spectacular. Great job, Kiki Palmer. I'd like to argue there. I believe that Jordan Peele put on like a swimming tube <laughs> and stood on a ladder and I just kind of, it. or stilts like circus stilts and ran at them like <laughs> to invoke fear yeah. at them. I believe that's the, the true fact trivia from the set behind the scenes. Could be. Yeah. That, I wouldn't doubt it. That's that kind of attention to detail really goes the next level. You know, why isn't that like part of the thing? Like, could that, could that be like, if there's a full CGI villain, I mean, I would gladly get in any kind of get up and run towards people just I, for fun. I wouldn't be surprised if there are films where they do that. Like they give them something to actually react to, you know? Yeah. Uh, because it can like any actor will, will, we've heard tons of actors talk about how hard it is to just act on against something that's blue screen, green screen, or even something that's like a totally like a stuffed animal that's wrapped in green yes. screen that they use as the stand in. Like it can be hard to get into the right mindset for that. So I, I wouldn't doubt that they, they do some creative things on set. Yeah. makes me think of like, uh, you know, the, the elevator prank, uh, videos where a person walks into an elevator and there's like a fake door yeah. and it's not really an elevator. And all of a sudden like a creepy girl from like the ring pops out and just like <laughs> yes. chases them. <laughs> and it's like that. Dun, 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 yeah, right. dun. Oh, it's, it's great. I, I just want to be that. Like I want to be in with the director <laughs> and they're like, listen, they have no idea. You're just going to start chasing them and, and we're going to roll run the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That would be great. Okay, cool. That's my next job. Okay. My, Scene stealer, very difficult, very difficult. Kiki Palmer was definitely a contender, obviously. Uh, just a fun fact and a reminder, uh, she got her day, her biggest debut in Aquila and the Bee with Lawrence Fishburne and Angela Bassett. If that's not a way nice. to join cinema, that's insane. Like, <laughs> that is insane. Yeah, talk about uh, learning from the best. I mean, holy crap. Those are, that's royalty right there. Man, like, that's awesome. Um, and then you've got... Stephen Yun of Walking Dead fame, who plays Jupe. And then, of course, you've got Brandon Perea, who's a little bit unknown. And that's who I'm going with today, Mr. Brandon Perea. He is the, uh, the, 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 the big dreamer stuck at Fry's Electronics. He has so much good knowledge. He's really good at his job. And he is just longing for so much more. I wonder why I identify with him so much. <laughs> I think... That, that what Brandon does in this role is so amazing. This role should have been like frat boy. This role shouldn't have even been as big as it is. You didn't need truly like that 
that triangle uh, because of how how different uh, OJ and Emerald were, how how off how different their their purposes were in characterizations. But I almost feel like this guy came in and was such. Uh, so passionate and so on fire with this character and connecting with it that it became the perfect triangle for these characters because he he is absolutely a throwaway character but he just wedges his way in he just says no he says nope and he comes on in and he just gets in there and he says i'm i'm coming back for you guys and I really think that this is what needs to be done. And can you believe that this thing is happening? I'm going to save you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to risk my life for you. I met you literally 48 hours ago. The whole, the whole, uh, these different journeys of who, who the people are and what they want out of this experience with this being, this, this extraterrestrial UFO monster, what they all want from it and what they all get from it is very different. And he is absolutely on fire in this he does not want to let anyone down but most of all he wants to prove it to himself because coming from the i'm really smart i know what i know what i can do but no one knows what i can do uh at the fry electronic cashier counter versus heroically and creatively defending himself and defending his brand new friends to the point of risking his life is is absolutely incredible and inspiring so I don't know where this guy came from, Brandon Perea, but I want to see more of, of what he's got coming up. Um, I think there is immediately on his slate something like a like a frat inf- or social media version of Clue that's coming up. So I don't know <laughs> about that one, but <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll be optimistic about it. I just, I just want to see this guy succeed. So excellent job, Brandon. Yeah, it's. Uh... He, he is another one who just each of these characters understands and each of these actors understands the rules that apply to their character um, because they're, they're, <laughs> there's a point in this movie where you know that he's safe um, yeah. and it's because they're at the dinner table talking about how are we going to get this shot and how much money they're going to make and all this stuff. And he's like, and we'll like help some people, right? Like this will do, right. do some good. Like it, it'll protect some people from this thing. And they're like, Nobody says anything, uh, but you know that like within the rules of the world, it's like, okay, he gets it. He understands what we're doing here and he's totally fine. But yeah, great performance from Brandon Perea. I really enjoyed it as well. Um, those three who are together throughout the majority of the film, just an awesome dynamic, a unique dynamic and something that just worked so unbelievably well. So great job to them. All right, let's move over to the production. Um, Man, this is tough. There, there are so there is so much gold in this movie to dig into. It's like, I this is where I have struggled the most. Is what am I going to go with with Showstopper? I think that ultimately, where I had to land was um, the genre dynamics of this film because I think that uh, Jordan Peele um, is one hundred percent a student of the game and understands cinema and cinema history as well as anybody. In fact, there was somebody on Twitter who tweeted, Jordan Peele has to be the greatest horror director of all time already, right? He has three fantastic films in a row. Nobody else has ever done that. And he was like, he tweeted back at them and said, I respect your enthusiasm, but I will not tolerate any John Carpenter slander. So he he is somebody who understands nice. the horror genre. And, and people are surprised by that because his background is 
primarily comedic. People know him from Key and Peele. They know him from sketch comedy. They know him from writing and doing funny bits. Um, but he really does understand this genre, and he continues to break new ground in this genre. But I just loved the way there was so... This was such a... Like, on one hand, it's unbelievably original, and there's all these different thematic elements that are so smart, and the film is doing things that are totally new, and the plot is totally new, and the concept is is obviously brilliant. Um, and yet, it feels so much like a traditional horror film at the same time because of the, the techniques that he's using. He's paying homage to all of the great horror film directors. There are so many shots in here that you can you have seen in different movies throughout and he understands as i've mentioned before the way that horror movies work and i think this is why true horror fans love horror and and people who have watched the scream movies probably know a little bit about this but um in horror more so than any other genre there there is like a code of each of these movies has their own set of rules that they define. Like slasher films have a set of rules. Paranormal films have a set of rules. And you can play with those. You can tweak them. You can subvert them. But it has to make sense within the genre of horror. And I feel like Jordan Peele totally understands that and does that here with his characters. They're not the most traditional archetypes for horror films, but they are variations of that that still make sense. They abide by the rules that are set forth in this film. So the whole theme of the movie is really about the, you know, the perils of, of the spectacle. You know, Don't get caught up trying to look at the big thing, trying to get the first, trying to get the picture, trying to get the shot, trying to be in the limelight. Like, don't fall into that trap. And that's what this movie is all about. Um, and he weaves that so well through his characters and saying that, you know, one of the characters who dies is he's there because he's like, I am the cinematographer who can get the impossible shot. And he's, you know, they don't get exactly the shot that he wants. And he does like a very, you know, quint from jaws kind of thing. And is like, we're getting this done and goes out and is like, you know, kind of smiling maniacally as the thing sucks him up because he's getting the final shot. And there's the TMZ guy who's like, you know, Daniel Kaluuya is literally trying to save his life. And he's like, do you have your camera out? What are you doing? Why don't you have your camera out? Uh, and there's all these little um, hints that certain people are following the rules and certain people are not following the rules. And if you give in to the spectacle, uh, this thing, and, and, and even the fact that you can't look it in the eyes, if you, if you give in to it, it gets you. Um, this idea of not being able to look at something with your own eyes, because if you do, it will kill you, is such an um, amazing theme and, and, and social commentary. And he uses that theme to build the rules, build this within the confines of the horror genre, and build something that's, on one hand, unbelievably original, and on the other hand, so familiar. Um, and I think that that's what makes it really brilliant conceptually. So that's what, that's what blew me away. Blown away. What blew me away? It's quite simple. The coloring of this movie. Look, it's like oh, I'm yeah. actually in the movie. If you're watching <laughs> the video, I've got the same background. It's fantastic. 
I'm about to be eaten by the nope monster. I think that this is quite the feat. When you look at the coloring of this movie, I'm not sure who had the role of the colorist, which means that they initially, when the movie starts, they basically come up with the color palette. They walk through, they help uh, create some storyboards with color of what this film comes down to, to really speak through colors on film. Um, and then at the end of the film, then they tweak it, right? They get the, they get the final version and they get the final say. Now, whether sometimes that's the director, if they're really skilled at that, or the director goes through with the, uh, with the, the final editor and the final CGI team. And I think there was a little bit of that, a little bit of that all together with, with Jordan Peele. This movie was, uh, was, I uh, did some, deep research on this uh was shot with what's called a day for night scene uh day for night rig day for night setup so all of the evening scenes which there are plenty in this film in this Mm -hmm. film they were shot in daylight and then color was kind of reversed into night so what you're seeing here uh all of the the yellows and the oranges and the whites were dropped for blues and purples and lavenders and all the colors, you know, you would think just black, right? Like, no, there's so much more uh, tonight than that, as you can see by the beautiful colorscape that this is. And then what they did is they CGI'd in the brightness of, of a city or of what I absolutely love when Daniel Kaluuya is meeting the, the UFO for the first time and he walks away from his house and you see all the lights just like just dimming up every single window or lightly uh, dimming up every single window and door frame. It's beautiful. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I don't know uh, how many movies use this technique. I want to go and see all of them and see how impressive they are. Now, we know that this movie was filmed on digital and on film and on IMAX camera. Lots of different techniques. No drones, though. I was a little sad we didn't see any sweeping drones throughout this movie. I was so relieved we didn't see any drones throughout this movie. Thank God. I was too. I was too. I think that all all of that that planning that had to take place to make sure that this was the way was very important i don't know if they did testing on it first or if they just like you know rolled the dice and said we're gonna try this and hopefully it looks like nighttime enough and it killed it it absolutely they, they crushed it it was just an absolute beautiful uh nightscape at all times um it looked as if the moon was so bright in each of those scenes, but really it was the sun that they, that they just swapped it for. So uh, man, absolutely impressive. Uh, just the, the app, the overall visuals sp- specifically tied to the day for night rig. Bravo, Jordan Peele. Yeah, definitely beautiful. And I think that like, you know, you, you mentioned the color palettes, like yellows, oranges and things that you would see in the desert. They're in the desert. So a lot of times, like, when you have movies that are set in one location, there is a definite battle that occurs against, I don't know what you would call it, like monochromitis, you know, like Ooh. you don't want it to all look one color or, or one range of colors. You need to inject some colors. And I thought that the ways that they were intentional about injecting color also helped thematically. So like there were the car dealership wiggly arm guys that fits in with the theme of spectacle. You know, those things are there to draw your eyes as well as the icy machine on Jupiter's claim with the bright colors. Like all of those things work to splash some color and help with the color grading, but they also help drive home the theming, which is what you want to see in a really well-crafted piece of cinema. Um, 
and I think like all the, uh, the other thing that I forgot to mention in mine was, um, as far as horror elements, the, the initial first few UFO encounters where it's kind of like scooping in and out of the clouds and the cameras following it. Amazing. Like I just loved that, that, that was so creative and, and yet like so necessary for it to feel like a monster movie. Um, Mm -hmm. it was, it was awesome. Something out of place and jarring where you're looking at it. You're like, no, no, that's wrong. Like, (laughs) yeah, don't do it. And the whole fact, literally, uh, this is a fun fact of the movie. They had gotten already into production, already started filming it. Movies often don't have a title when they get started or they have a fake title. And Daniel Kaluuya turned to Jordan Peele one day and said, Hey, what's the title? Do you have, do you know the title of the movie? And he told him, he said, it's called Nope. And Daniel Kaluuya just started laughing and laughing and laughing because I mean, all you're doing when you're watching this movie, you're like, nope. <laughs> like quite <laughs> literally the, um, the way that that was able to bring even our audience together, you felt compelled to audibly say nope at different times and just start laughing out of pure fear at times like, Oh my gosh, no. And start, you know, shouting at the screen. That was very much uh, apparent in our 930 showing uh, of this film. Yeah, definitely. It's it's so so smartly done. Um, really brilliant stuff. All right, let's talk about notes. Notes for this movie. I only have one. It's it's a big one, but it's also like it's going to sound bigger than I think it is. And really, it's it's simple. And it's that the third act loses some steam um, because I think, and this is going to sound super harsh. It's it's not meant to. I think they were a little bit self-indulgent in the third act with some of the character moments and things like that to where it just drug out to the point where you're like, by the time the thing has expanded into the floating, like wispy cloth thing, you're just kind of like, okay, I'm no longer afraid of this thing, right? Because I know the rules that this thing abides by. Obviously in most horror movies, specifically monster movies, once the reveal happens, the horror level goes down by um, a large factor. That's just kind of a fact Uh, because once our rational brains get a chance to look at the thing, we're like, oh, that's not that scary. Um, And so in the third act, by the time we know what this thing is and, and they've completed their initial sort of plan, you know, the plan building was very exciting and then the executing of the plan is exciting. But once the plan goes haywire, the cinematographer's dead, uh, Angel's, you know, out of the picture, he's, he's out of the game. Daniel Kaluuya and, and, uh, Kiki Palmer are sort of trying to determine who's going to survive. They're running opposite ways. Daniel Kaluuya is trying to draw it away from there. It takes so long to get to resolution to the final, uh, you know, the conclusion of it, which is them using the the well photo thing to get a picture of it in the sky and get their, get their shot, the Oprah shot. Um, it, it just takes a little bit too long. And, and by that time you're just ready for it to kind of go because the whole thing has been at such a pace and, and, and not like I shouldn't say pace, but it's been at such a, an, uh, tension, a level of tension that whenever that tension breaks and it breaks for too long in the end, it just feels a little bit too drawn out, which is something that happens in horror films. It's incredibly hard. Making a good horror movie is really hard because keeping that tension level throughout is difficult to do. Um, 
And so I think it's it's a common pitfall. It's it, it's not like something that ruins the movie, not even close, but it is something that in the latter third, you're just kind of like, all right, I know where we're going. Let's get to it, and then we'll kind of wrap it up and see if you have any other surprises in store for me. Excellent. Excellent. My qualms, my arguments with this movie is that you have a filmmaker who is just out of this world above the rest. And this film, while exquisitely done, it's well-written, it's complete. It is at the same time, somewhat forgettable. I have been uh, removed from it. What for two nights only, you know, and I try to remember that final act that you were just talking about. And I was like, Oh yeah, that did happen in that. Not um, jumping at the end of your sentences and saying, Oh, and then remember this. Oh, and that, Oh, and one more thing. Those things. When we, when you talk about a really good, really great film, that's what comes to mind. I mean, we could sit and talk about get out and us. I'm halfway through it. I should have planned better, but (laughs) we could go on and on about those and our favorite movies. This one, really did a great job at being that spectacle that Jordan Peele has um, has talked about, how he wanted to be his big film back to the theaters and rally a group of strangers together. Checkmark, checkmark, done, done. Um, but the themes in this movie um, were good, just not great. Um, there's a lot of arguments over Gordy, the monkey, and whether his uh, validity of being in the film and propelling the, the the plot forward. I think it is. I think it's good, uh, honestly, because he is a, a different kind of monster trying to be tamed, uh, trying to uh, control. It's about control, a lot of it is, and to be careful uh, of what what you're trying to control and what you what you wish upon the world versus what you're going to allow to happen and allow to be a part of. So the the biggest issue for me really is, is that you have some strong themes that didn't necessarily um, get, you know, thrown in your face, which was good. Always good. Excellent. But I really just don't remember this movie. Like I remember get out so vividly and how horrified I already am of the first half of us. Uh, And that's what truly makes something to be able to just talk on and on and on about it. I just don't think I'm there yet. And the second thing, back to Gordy, truly, now that that part is memorable. I mean, I'll never forget how those bodies were uh, being thrusted and attacked and how he just literally saw the humans that he was killing as his victims. And he knew they were his victims. And his whole goal was to kill them. Horrifying, absolutely horrifying. We did not get enough time with Stephen Yun who is just continuously um, bettering himself and uh, surprising audiences. I mean, Academy Award nominee Stephen Yun from uh, Minari, and he is just, he deserves a little bit more. (laughs) His his role deserved a little bit more in this, and it was kind of shocking that he was actually gone when he was actually gone. I thought we were going to see him rally or somehow survive being sucked up the aliens uh, uh, esophagus, if you will. So forgettable in a lot of parts, unfortunately for me, director's shoes. Are people really debating the validity of Gordy in this film? Is that a real thing? They are. They are. They're they're saying, what's the point? 
Oh, they're, they're thinking guys, that it was a guys, gimmick. Guys, um, come yeah. on, no. I, I mean, respectfully, <laughs> it's interpretive, but come on, like it's right there. I feel like to me, it's so clear why Gordy's in that film. Like the idea is, Stephen Yun's character has watched this monkey kill people, people he mm-hmm. worked with, you know, and then he watched its brains get blown out by a shotgun at point blank range. This is a monkey that he was friends with, had a relationship with. Right. And yet he still is so obsessed with the spectacle. In fact, he has kept all of the Gordy stuff. You know, he loves it. He wants to talk to people about it. He's dying to talk to people about it. And then he's, he's out chasing the next big thing, trying to get aliens to eat horses, even though he's seen like he is, the archetype, like he, I mean, he is the poster child of, of obsessing over the spectacle, doing whatever it takes to, to be a part of something big, to be a part, to have people look at you, to feel important. Like, I feel like of course Gordy makes sense because it tells a lot about Steven Yeun's character, which tells a lot about the overall theme of the film. I don't know. I, Mm -hmm. I, Debate a wall, my friends, but I, I I will not let that stand. <laughs> I will not allow Gordy slander because I feel like it's very impactful and totally works. Um, it's a weird, it's a weird dark place on the internet for those people that are like, oh, didn't need the monkey, didn't even tie in. It's like I, I don't understand did. that. <laughs> I just do not like. I I feel like that's just you choosing not to interpret, right. Like, it's you saying, oh, themes are not a thing. All that's in the movie is the plot, and that is off plot. Like, come on, dude. It, it totally makes sense if you think about it thematically. And the themes I mean, here are not hard to grasp. There's not tons. And right. the main theme is, like, low-hanging fruit. I feel like most people can kind of pick up on that. Um, you don't – and and movies aren't supposed to be something that's gate-kept by all these cinema – nerds who are looking at all of these using ginormous words to describe a very simple theme. Like it's, this stuff is accessible for everybody. And this theme was certainly one that anybody I think could have picked up on. Um, I don't get it. The Gordy thing totally makes sense. And that scene, the scene, absolutely shocking and horrifying dude. (laughs) in every possible way, like shook me to a level that I was not prepared for. Yeah, so like our movie was very was our screening was very interesting because Cameron and I were both running late. I happened to get to the movie theater and walked in at nine thirty two for a nine thirty showing. And what I saw on the screen is that the Cynodyme had had already finished. Like all the weird random trivia and stuff was just wrapping up. And all of a sudden, I see what like looks like a train. I'm thinking, well, Bullet Train is premiering soon. Okay, this is where the trailers hit. They forgot to play the trailers, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. They forgot to play them. And then cue immediately into the opening scene, which I had to give Cameron when he walked in like one minute later. Uh, it happened so fast is that yeah. Gordy is. It's the it's the site of the incident. Just a little bit later, we and we go back further when we when we finally meet Jupe, uh, Stephen Young's character, and so he's just sitting there, almost like a birthday cake, just like licking his fingers, wiping his mouth. There's blood all over him. He's on a on a TV set, and in that moment, it's it, we we're not seeing it from Jupe's perspective. We're just seeing it like the audience background, the studio. Yep. We know we're on a TV set, and we just don't see Jupe's presence, right? And then it cuts to uh, meeting our, our main characters, OJ and Emerald. So 
it's it's absolute. It's the first scene. Like, why would you throw that in there for for nothing else? Yes. The it's it's absolutely baffling. But the gruesome, the brutality of it is is one of the most well executed scenes in a horror movie um, or any kind of categorized drama, thriller, um, whatever. It's so so good and and ironically so real. Like you know that it is a, C- a CGI monkey. But man, does it feel so real. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it is nuts and it's really well done and it's really jarring. Um so yeah, I would just say like for those people, you're obviously entitled to your opinion. I would just implore you to try the following. If there's something in a movie that you don't understand, ask yourself, why would they put this in the movie? Yes. You'll find yourself at a place of what is the movie about, and then you'll figure out the theme. And then you'll go, does this fit with the theme? And and if it does, you'll be like, oh, yeah. And I feel like this is a, a very easy thought process to get to the bottom of the whole Gordy thing with this. And in some movies, you'll be like, oh, no, that doesn't fit the theme. Why did they put right. that in the movie? That was stupid. That That's literally all it takes. It's not it's not a hard thing to do, and you don't have to be a genius to do it. So We need to come up with, like, flashcards that say that. <laughs> and then say, see, <laughs> see the next one, and now see the next question. And then finally, how do you feel about that to determine, does does that agree? Does it fill its thesis yeah. uh, and, and all, all the above? So It's yeah. part of the opinion-forming process, um, mm-hmm. which we're going to do now because we are going to move on to final thoughts and oh. scores of the movie Nope. Here we go. My final thoughts... Um, uh, I think Jordan Peele has done it again. I think that this is a movie that is uh, astoundingly original in concept. I think its social commentary is sharp and um, witty and really well executed. I think that he veils his themes well enough in the early going to where it's more impactful in the end. And I think that the way that he crafted it was smart, um, detail-oriented as always. The production itself is beautiful. The cinematography, the color grading, as Kirk called out, um, the, the the shots, the different like horror-specific shots that they did, um, everything about it. it. It's a lovely film that's very thoughtfully executed and um, well-planned out. I thought the story was excellent. Struggles a little bit in the third act to keep your tension level high and keep you um, into it as much as you were in the first hour and a half of the film. Um, so a little bit of a hiccup there, but I, I, I mean, I will disagree with Kirk on this. Like, I feel like this movie is an event. I feel like this movie is something that will stick with me. It, it's, it is hard for Jordan Peele and us had the same exact pitfall um, where it's like, it's not get out. And, and that's, that's, Fair in some ways and unfair in other ways. Like, it's fair because, of course, we're going to compare it to Get Out, same director, and Get Out is super iconic. I mean, it's going to be one of the most iconic films of our generation because of the fact that it went places that other films hadn't and was very thoughtful in doing so and is a very subversive, smart, genius-level film. That That is what it is. Um, but at the same time, it's like none of these films are trying to be Get Out, and they can still be their own thing and still be iconic without that same level of uh, impact or twist or, or anything like that. So for me, this this comes close to that. I don't think it is Get Out, but I still think it's excellent. I think it's better than Us. If we're power ranking the Jordan Peele 3, I would go Get Out, Nope, then Us. But 
this to me is um, another great entry into what is quickly becoming a really strong year for film. I've, I've seen a lot of really good transcendent uh, movies this year, and I feel like this is right up there in probably the top five, maybe the top three of movies that have come out this year. So I'm going to give it a 9-2 out of 10. Um, really loved it. Dying to see it again, to dig into it more. And um, yeah, I think this is one that's that the people who understood why Gordy's in the movie or, or the people who the theme hit home for, I should say. That's a less cruel way to say it because I'm not trying to be mean or or, you know, trying to wisecrack, but... I think for the people who understood the theme and it hits home, uh, you know, all of us who look at our phone all the time and try to get likes on our social media, we all do it. Um, it, it means something and it's, there's a lesson there. And I think that that's when film can teach you things like that's powerful. So that's, that's what they did here. I thought Nope was incredible. 9.2 out of 10. Very nice. For those of you listening, I now have a toy monkey as a tie wrapped around my neck <laughs> just to stand with, with, stand with Gordy. I don't know. I, I think I'm on the wrong uh, side yeah, of that fight. I don't know. It's, it's hard hmm. with him because he's, you know, he's just doing his animal thing, but I mean, he's a cute little animal and the balloons should have never made that sound. They should have never surprised him. That's true. Shame on you. Props master. You should have talked with the animal wrangler, much like at the beginning when OJ and Emerald, when they kicked that lady in the face, which is quite fantastic. I have to lean on for my score on this movie and my final thoughts is that big piece of, did it stick with me? Did it really get to me? Um, I was nervous at times. I was excited. I was laughing. I... I just don't know that this is his strongest of the three. And I've only been halfway through us, and I still think that it's get out us than nope. Uh, I'll have a better uh, better way to answer that full ranking after tonight uh, when I finish up my film before it expires on my Apple TV rental. I really expected this to just be an absolute home run, uh, the same as always. But what Jordan Peele is now fighting against is that M. Night Shyamalan effect, is that he was dead the whole time effect, in which every single time you bring it, it has to be really, really compelling. So if you pick up that pen to write a film, it better blow your socks off. And the pressure of that has to be so immense that I cannot even imagine. Uh, it has to be similar to the effect of Quentin Tarantino, who's making his Big Ten and then walking away. Uh, it's there's a, there's several stars, there's several um, creators like that, and what he's created in Nope was well done. But I really wanted, craved more with the fear of that villain. Like Cam said, when you reveal the villain, it better be good or the stakes around it better be, you know, absolutely terrifying more so than death. Right. So like we see the cloud come and we see it move and they call it like UFO. And then the, the twist on it is that, Oh no, it's not a UFO. It's actually the monster and it will eat you and consume you and spit out all the waste. Uh, like, a, like an animal, like a predator. But what, doesn't get to me unfortunately is there are ways to create that fear there are ways to show uh, other elements of it and in this case it decided to fan out and be this this beautiful monster this beautiful uh visual spectacle 
that would also eat you with no remorse, right? And while that's a good take, it wasn't big enough to garner the fear of a horror movie that would bring me back to watching this again and again. It's weird. I don't know. I don't know why. I do not hate this movie in any way, shape, or form. I do like it. I don't love it. And I'm giving a very specific score on this. My score is 6.667 kernels out of 10. <laughs> I think that's the first time we've gone to two decimal places, Kirk, and beyond. So That's right. Uh, that's right. Wow. I didn't want to leave it at the 666. I can't do that. So I threw in one more yeah. uh, l- l- little integer, integer moment there. Um, yeah, that's my that's my score for today. Uh, this one, one of our bigger deficits, I feel like. It is. And that's good. I'm I'm here for that. I would say, like, my question on that, you, you mentioned the M. Night Shyamalan thing, and I think that's yeah. I think that that's a great I think that's a an absolutely great comparison because nothing has ever compared to the Sixth Sense. Um, iconic movie, he's never been able to come out of its shadow. Is that fair though? Because M. Night Shyamalan has gone out gone on to roll out some stinkers. I mean, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, some real stinkers, but, um, you know, like there's a good chance Jordan Peele could create 20 beautiful, masterful films and it would never be get out because that was just like lightning in a bottle, like right place, right time. First time, anything like that has ever been done. Like it just was, it was a moment, you know, right. it was just a total moment where everything aligned. Like, so I don't know that it's fair, but I think that like, I, I don't think that that's you're, you're not scoring the movie based on the fact that it's not get out. So Correct. I'm not blaming you, but I think a lot of people are out there are like, well, it's not as good as get out. I think there's a lot of people just kind of simply saying like, it's not as good as get out. Sure. It's not, it's just not uh, get out is <laughs> a transcendent once in a lifetime kind of thing. It, it, there will not be another thing like get out for a while. Um, so yeah, I, I, like, I don't want that to be the shadow that lurks over him over his career because I feel like all of, all three of his films have been excellent in their own merit with really thoughtful craftsmanship and, and design and and things like that. But I could see this one, like whenever we got into the third act with the monster, I agree. I was like, this is gonna, this is gonna kill it for some people. I like, I just really felt that like whenever it's doing that thing where it's like making the green square over and over again, like as it's getting ready to eat people, I was like, ah, oh, this mm. is losing. This is losing people. <laughs> I could just feel it. I could feel that it was losing people. <laughs> uh, I didn't want it to, but I could feel it. So um, it's interesting, but I, I, I think all of your points are valid. So there's a yeah. deficit, but it's, it's okay. I'll tell you, I liked the green square. That was unexpected. Like we had seen it, you know, right when the titles are running. Were you in the theater for that part? I think you were. The opening title. Yeah. Yep. When they were through, when they, when they, they were were like looking up into the stars. Yes. That was kind of smart. Right. So that part was creepy. You don't know which way is up. What's going to happen when that green thing is that element of the monster is very well done. Yeah. And I don't know what other ways you create this being to be um, 
totally unpredictable. That was one of those unpredictable one one of those unpredictable elements that creates weird, uneasy feelings. Yep. Uh, the stakes are strange. Green invokes nausea and discomfort, and you know you don't know which way is up. Absolutely perfect. There weren't enough facets for me to make the monster have many other shades than mm-hmm. I'm going to swallow you up here. That's it. That's really it. I'm going to fan out here. Well, now I've got this other kind of thing. It's almost like, uh, like a rattlesnake, like look over here, look over yeah, here, yeah, like yeah. That, which is great. I think there needed to be a little bit more for me to up my score. Yep. I feel it. I love it. Well, let us know your guys' thoughts on Nope. Um, I, I I haven't seen much, to be honest, because I just haven't been on Twitter a lot around it, so I don't know if this is a movie that's been divisive. Obviously, it sounds like there's some arguments on, on Gordy that I vehemently am opposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, I would end those. I should go on Twitter to start ending some of those arguments, but <laughs> I'm not that kind of guy. Um, but let us know your thoughts. Uh, what, what did you think about the movie? Did it, you know? Do you think it's going to stick with you? Do you think it's iconic? Do you think it's... Uh, another Jordan Peele masterpiece or is this just like, okay, it was good. You know, it it was just, it was just fine. Or did you think what in the world was going on? Mm -hmm. Um, Hated it. I I would love to hear from anybody on any of those. So hit us up on social media. As always, you can join our discord channel or discord server. I should say it's free. You can talk to us there at any time of the day, as long as we're available, which we usually are. And, that's about it for our review of Nope. I believe the next movie we're going to review is going to be Bullet Train starring Brad Pitt. Um, I am absolutely chomping at the bit to see that film. I feel like it has tremendous upside if it's done right. I feel like it can be really excellent. So um, very excited for that. And then we're getting into the fall where movies start to, you know, we transition out of blockbuster land and into sort of award season pretty seamlessly. And it's... Uh, it's on, so it never stops. We'll have a new What's Poppin' for you next Monday on the stream and next Tuesday on the podcast, so be sure to look out for that. But until that time, we want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as the wonderful band that created our original music, Rhetoric. Listen to those guys on the way out and anywhere you listen to music, and we will see you guys next week. Talk to you then. Talk to you then.